the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Season Watch with Wendy Scott, where we observe the things coming on the earth through biblical binoculars, because the Bible is both timely and timeless. With her master's degree in rhetoric and writing skills, Wendy is a part-time college professor, but a full-time truth professor. She believes the Word of God is His perfect revelation, including a young earth six-day creation, as well as the global flood inundation, and that Israel is God's chosen nation. Faith alone in Jesus is salvation, the true church rapture comes pre-tribulation, followed by Christ's millennial domination and his eternal kingdom with earth's regeneration. Jesus is coming without hesitation. And now, here's Wendy with today's topic. Hello, friends. Thank you for joining me again with Season Watch. And we'll just start with prayer. Uh, Jesus, we just see so many things happening in the earth. We pray for uh, those who are suffering from earthquakes and other natural disasters. Pray for those who are suffering as the persecuted church around the world, China, Afghanistan, in, in Kenya, and around the world, Lord. We just pray for them, our sisters and brothers in you, and we pray for your comfort for them. And we thank you, Lord, that we do have the freedom to speak your truth and that you are worthy, Lord, of, of what Whatever we bear, whatever burden we bear, Lord, you are worthy of it. So we just praise you and ask for your constant companionship in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, hello, friends. We've been talking about the rapture of the true church for the past couple of months, of course. And we're talking about that therefore is one of two futures coming fast for each one of us. So one future leads to eternal peace with the company of Jesus, our Savior. And the other future is for those who will be left behind. I know, just like the movie. I guess that's out now, or maybe it, maybe it's not out anymore, but uh, we just love they keep reminding us. So all those left behind will have to endure through the tribulation period. I sure don't want that. I've got family um, that have yet to receive Christ. I'm, I'm just praying daily and I, that the Lord breaks through to them. And we don't want them to go through the tribulation period or the judgments of God, commonly referred to throughout the Bible as the day of the Lord. You don't want to be here for that. Um, and so now if you're still uncertain what you believe about the rapture, please listen to my previous episodes. You can go on K-Praise for my podcast, or you can go on my Rumble channel, Wendy's Words for Him uh, radio, and you can hear those past episodes, especially on uh, Will There Be a Pre-Tribulation Rapture of the Church, parts one and two. For some reason, people are listening to part two more. I don't know why. Um, and so uh, we're going to talk about these things today. So fasten your truth belts as today we talk about the sifting of the two futures, what prophecy reveals to each one. All right. So Jesus gives remarkably detailed prophecies about the future events because God has an amazing plan for humanity. If we keep his plan in mind, then our perception of events, no matter how bad they get, that perception of events has a framework of hope that we can trust in. And so let's remember the plan that he has. First, God made the earth, the universe, everything in it for us. As he explains in 
Isaiah 45, 18, For thus says the Lord, who created the heavens, who is God, who formed the earth and made it, who has established it, who did not create it in vain, who formed it to be inhabited. I am the Lord, and there is no other. So he created us. And there's evidence that all of creation was there for us to put us in, just like uh, you prepare a nursery before you have a baby. And he filled it with beautiful things for us to enjoy. And then he created us in his image and gave us free will so that we would love him by choice. And that's the key. When people ask you, why does he allow all these terrible things? This is an opportunity to choose what is right, him or to choose Satan. And and unfortunately, sin runs rampant and, and the world's full of death, right? He allowed Satan to give us another choice. That's where the other choice came from. And through choosing sin, we actually surrendered our authority to Satan. And death entered into that perfect world. There was no death before that. But when we fell, God had already provided a salvation for us. As we see in Revelation 13, Jesus is the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. God knew what it would cost him to have a a human family that would love him, right? And he allowed us through different dispensations to discover that we could not repair the damage of death and sin on our own. We couldn't do it. He gave us like all these opportunities and we couldn't. We're not able to bridge that terrible gulf between us. So as Galatians 4.4 reveals, but when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth his son born of a woman. And he was born that he might be the redeemer for all humanity. And in this dispensation of the gospel, the good news was spread throughout the whole world. And the way to God has been paid for through those who believe, to those who believe. So anybody who believes, it's been spread around the world. We've been really blessed to to watch that. Yet the earth is still under the shadow of death and in the grip of Satan. So God will have to judge the wicked and bind Satan, right? And uh, during that process of judging and binding the tribulation period, um, then God will set things right and then will send his son back. Jesus will reign 1,000 years in perfect sovereignty, as it says, with a rod of iron um, and with perfect peace. Yet even then, humans will detest his authority. They won't want to be under his authority. And so God will lose Satan again, and that will reveal the rebels. And then all the rebels will be judged and thrown in the lake of fire. So people have so many opportunities to receive him, to turn to him. He's a loving and good God. He only judges those who do not receive him. It's a pretty good little deal there. Um, And then the new heavens and the new earth will come, Storing the original plan for humanity in perfect fellowship with our Creator, but only with those who chose God, right? So He sifts through all of humanity, gives everybody as many opportunities as they need to choose Him, to follow Him. And um, anybody who chooses Him will get to enjoy that rest, restoration, the restored perfect. Uh, creation that God intended for us, as long as they humble themselves and receive his authority with gladness and love, because God is love, right? And we see in Revelation 21 describes this restoration. Verse 1, now I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also, there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. That's Jesus. And he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. And now God and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, no, no sorrow 
nor crying. Uh, there shall be no more pain for the former things that pass away. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write these words which are faithful and true. And he said to me, it is done. I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, and I will give the fountain of water of life freely to him who's thirst. Who, he who overcomes shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. It's a loving plan. It's a good plan. It's a righteous plan. And right now, we are on the brink of the day of the Lord. This is the time, the stage of the sifting and of choosing who will follow him. Uh, you think about how God challenged the Israelites when he brought them out of Egypt. For 40 years, he walked them around the desert, and he told them, I brought you this way all these 40 years to see whether or not you will follow me. And he still does that. He permits us free will. And this is our opportunity. The whole Western world knows about the prophecies. There have been movies and books and the details have completely permeated our culture. God has made it plain for anyone who wants to see what is coming. And so those who scoff or refuse to see will be without excuse. The sifting is happening. The prophetic warnings are coming now. We've talked about this in the past episodes. Just go back a few. And now they're stronger and stronger and closer together than ever before. They're like the labor pains that Paul described. We look in 1 Thessalonians 5.1. But concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. For when they say, peace is safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. But you, brethren, are not in the darkness, so that this day should overtake you as a thief. You are all sons of the light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk in the night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. And that's the amazing promise. And notice Paul makes a distinction. It shall be, uh, uh, they, sh they shall not escape, but you shall see these things, right? Because you walk in the day and your hearts are open. So friends, pray and ask God to reveal this time by his Holy Spirit and by the spirit of truth through the testimony of Jesus, which, by the way, is the spirit of prophecy, according to Revelations 19.10. Pray for the eyes of your loved ones to come to the knowledge of truth and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will, according to 2 Timothy 26. For friends, the time is at hand. The warning signs are clear. And the fork in the road is imminent. Each of us will experience one of the two futures, as Jesus described it in Luke 17, Luke 17, 26. And as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be in the days of the Son of Man. They ate, they drank, married wives. They were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, it was also in the days of Lot. They ate, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built. But on the day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even so will it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. In that day, he was on the housetop and his goods are in his house. Let him not come down to take them away. And likewise, those who are in the field, let him not turn back. Remember Lot's wife. Whosoever seeks to save his life will lose it 
it, and whosoever loses his life will preserve it. I tell you, in that night, there will be two men in one bed. One will be taken, and the other will be left. Two women will be grinding together. One will be taken, and the other left. Two men will be in the field. One will be taken, and the other left. And so we see here that Jesus explicitly describes this moment of taking one and leaving the other. But remember, if, and if you heard in past episodes, that um, the discussion of the pre-tribulation rapture, the English word that's used here, taken, is actually the Greek word paralambano, which means received to self. And it's an intimate gesture. It's the same word that Jesus used in describing this promise to the disciples in John 14, 20, uh, 2 through 3. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. So the receive you to myself and taken is the same word, and it's the same promise. And so we also notice in that scripture in chapter 17 that Jesus compares this moment to the two to two previous judgments where God preserved the righteous by removing them from the wrath not causing them to go through it. And again, it says, and in the days of Noah, it will be like in the days of the Son of Man. They ate, they drank, they married, wives they were given in marriage in the days of Noah, until Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. That's the picture of the rapture. Likewise, that it was in the days of Lot. They ate, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built. But on the day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. See, it's the same picture. And not only that, remember we went over this before that, that the angels actually had to grab Lot and his wife and his daughters and pull them out. And they said, we can do nothing until you come out of here, right? Because God does not appoint us to go through his wrath. There's a difference between tribulation, which is trouble that we receive by being in a world full of sin, and the great tribulation, which is when God begins to pour out his wrath and judge the earth. And so there's a distinction there. And we always have to keep that in mind. So all the prophecies and the promises reveal the pattern that the true followers of Jesus will be taken out before their wrath. You really don't have much of an argument otherwise. But I know there's people out there who don't believe it. That's okay. You can stay if you want. That's fine. Um, and now we recognize that the Bible describes the future for both in Revelations. First of all, the true church is taken to heaven in chapter 4. Remember how we talked about um, the church, the letter to the church of Philadelphia seems to represent the last faithful church and how they will be spared from the, the trouble, the fire that's to come to try the whole earth. And in chapter 4, we see that this motion of uh, being taken into heaven, just like when we receive our resurrected bodies and experience a heavenly reunion with our Savior. And then from heaven, as we see in Revelation, we will witness the opening of the scroll and the transfer of the inheritance of the earth to Jesus on our behalf. We also will witness the wrath of God being poured out on the Christ-rejecting world. And we'll see the mercy of God sending opportunities to repent, because we have the two witnesses, the 144,000 Jewish evangelists, and then an angel is going to fly around the earth. Decla uh, declaring the everlasting gospel. So there's still we see his mercy. And we also celebrate the marriage supper of the Lamb in chapter 19. And then we get to dress up in our new robes and, and get on our uh, horses. And we 
return with Jesus to defeat the armies of the earth. And as eternal beings, when he establishes his millennial kingdom, we will reign with him, right? He calls us uh, priests, kings and priests with him. And we will reign over those who remain on the earth, who are still in their mortal bodies or who are born during that time. And then after that, Satan is cast in the lake of fire and we enter into the new heavens and the new earth with Jesus in his eternal kingdom. So that's what's ahead for those who are raptured. And some of that uh, also applies to those who come to faith during the tribulation. Uh, they still get to reign with, with Jesus. Um, but Revelation also describes the future for those who are left behind. As we described before, the letter to the church of Laodicea represents the left-behind hypocritical church, just like the Pharisees were hypocrites and didn't want to receive Jesus, but they loved play-acting at being in charge. And so um, Jesus urged this church, the Laodiceans, to buy gold and white garments tried in the fire. That's a reference to the tribulation. And then he gave them the chance to repent before it's too late. He said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. Anyone who opens to me, I will come in and sup with him, right? So we know that offer is to a church. Uh, so the false church and all others who have rejected Christ will have to endure the brutal reign of Satan through the Antichrist and the false prophet, the outpouring of God's wrath in increasing judgments, the brutal persecution of those who do repent and receive Jesus and likely martyrdom, and then all kinds of terrible suffering and death through this time period. It gets worse and worse and worse. You don't want to be here. And of particular interest is how God turns his attention back to Israel during this time period. Remember, as the seven-year tribulation is Daniel's 70th week, when the times of the Gentiles will come to an end. And the Antichrist will arise and make a seven-year covenant of peace with Israel. They will gladly receive him and his opportunity to be, and their opportunity to be accepted in the world's family of nations. Right now, Israel's hated. And so they'll be like, oh, yay, we get to be part of the club. So they'll receive the Antichrist and his, um, his covenant of peace. And at that time, they will build the temple. They will get permission to build the temple because of the Antichrist. <laughs> Ironic. But after three and a half years, once the temple is finished, the Antichrist is going to go into the temple and declare himself God. Remember, we saw that in Daniel, and we saw that in Jesus' prophecies. And a remnant of the Jewish people will realize they have been fooled and must flee from the face of the Antichrist for refusing to worship him because he's going to try to kill him. And then uh, Revelations actually describes this moment in chapter 12. We see symbolism, but we can see it's clearly uh, Israel. And so Revelations 12, uh, verse 1, Now a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet, and on her head was a garland of 12 stars. Then, being with child, she cried out in labor and in pain to give birth. And another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great fiery red dragon having seven heads and ten horns and seven diadems on his heads. And his tail drew a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was ready to give birth and devour her child as soon as it was born. She bore a male child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up to God and to his throne. Then the woman fled into the wilderness where she had a place prepared by God that they should feed her for 1,260 days. And now when the dragon saw that he had been cast to the earth, he persecuted the woman who gave birth to the male child. 
But the woman was given two wings of a great eagle that she might fly into the wilderness to her place where she is nourished for a time and times and half a time from the presence of the serpent. So the serpent spewed out water of his mouth like a flood after the woman that he might cause her to be carried away by the flood. But the earth helped the woman and the earth opened up its mouth and swallowed up the flood, which the dragon had spewed out of his mouth. And so we see a lot of um, symbolism here, but it's not... It's knowable symbolism. You interpret scripture with scripture. And so we know that uh, this is about Israel, and it's the whole trajectory of Israel being the promised uh, nation, the Messiah would come out of, and Jesus came, and after he was uh, crucified and resurrected, he went into heaven to his throne. And then we see that once Israel realizes, or at least uh, a third of uh, a portion of Israel realizes that Jesus was their Messiah, they're told to flee into the wilderness. This matches what Daniel says. And when they flee into the wilderness, then they, um, they're protected by God during this time period. And so a lot of people see in, um, Isaiah, there's a prophecy that they will go into Petra and that they will hide there. I've been to Petra, by the way. Those, that would be pretty hard to attack somebody living in Petra with those high walls uh, that are there, very sturdy, very hard to attack. And so it says that they will flee and that God will help them until he finally returns. And so this description correlates with the other prophecies we've discussed concerning the time of Jacob's trouble including Daniel chapter 9 and 12, actually a lot of Daniel. Um, And then we've got Jeremiah 37 and especially Jesus's prophecies. In fact, Jesus's prophecies reveal how these two futures will play out by actually looking at the differences revealed between Matthew 24 and Luke 21. And these are his end times warnings. And we can see these differences by actually studying them side by side. I don't know if you've ever done that. In fact, if we look at the writers of Luke and Matthew themselves, we can see how Jesus used them to make a distinction between the two futures, for they each wrote with a specific audience in mind. This is very interesting, isn't it? Though this distinction, uh, through this distinction, we may see Jesus's warnings, prophecies, and instructions, not only for a testimony to the whole world, but also to his two loves. And the two loves are the faithful church, which is his bride, and Israel, his chosen people. And we actually see that Jesus' prophecies in Luke describe what to expect and do before the rapture. Jesus' prophecies in Matthew describe uh, what those who come to faith in Israel are expected to do after the rapture. Uh, The Bible reveals that after the rapture and in the fullness of the Gentiles has come in, Um, which is the church, God's attention, as we said, returns to Israel to bring his people to faith in their Messiah. And he's going to do this through the testimony of the two witnesses, the 144,000 and the angels, we said. And so that one day their eyes will be open as described in Zechariah 12, 9. It shall be in that day that I will seek to destroy all the nations that come against Jerusalem. And I will pour out on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and supplications. Then they will look upon me whom they've pierced. Yes, they will mourn as one mourns for his only son and grieve as one grieves for a firstborn. So that's Jesus. That's the moment that his own people, the Jewish people who had 
um, allowed him to be crucified, they will look upon him and realize that they had rejected him. But of course, Paul describes that we, he, he, the Jewish people are rejecting him in part so that the Gentile church, the Gentile world could be born. And so God is not forgetting forgotten Israel. He is returning to them. And even now, many, many Jewish people are coming to faith. And so we see in, in chapter 13 also, Zechariah thirteen six, and one will say to him, what are these wounds between your hands? And he will answer, those with which I was wounded in the house of my friends. Awake a sword against my shepherd, against the man who is my companion, says the Lord of hosts. Strike the shepherd, and the sheep will be scattered, and I will turn my hand against the little ones. And it shall come to pass in all the land, says the Lord, that two-thirds in it shall be cut off and die, but one-third shall be left, and I will bring one-third through the fire." will refine them as silver is refined and test them as gold is tested. They will call on my name and I will answer them. I will say, this is my people. And each one will say, the Lord is my God. So we see, as Paul reminds us, Paul will be saved. Whoever opens eyes and receives a Messiah, both now and in the fire. So we'll take a look at what these two books, Luke and Matthew, reveal about Jesus' prophecies in the two futures. It's pretty exciting, and we'll talk about the two authors themselves and how they end up representing these two futures uh, when you really sit and examine them. And so please come to return to listen to the next episode. And by the way, remember that you can hear all these episodes on my Rumble channel Wendy's Words for Him radio, or you can see my other videos and teachings on Wendy's Words for Him. Um, That's it, Wendy's Words for Him on my Rumble channel. And remember, uh, my website is mywordsforhim.com. And I'm just praying for you all out there that the Lord speaks to you and shows you his path forward. Please receive Jesus as your Savior. He loves you so much. Find a church. Start reading your Bible. It is the best thing you could ever do. Don't wait because he loves you. In Jesus' name, we'll see you next time. Join Wendy Scott every Saturday at 3 p.m. on K-Praise for another episode of Season Watch. Previous episodes can be found through the K-Praise podcast platform, where you can also access Wendy's other platforms and contact links. Please email Wendy with show comments, questions, or suggestions at wscott at mywordsforhim.com or visit her website at mywordsforhim.com for additional resources. Watch other teachings on her Rumble channel. Wendy's Words for Him, her fiction novel, The Lost, A Story of Christmas, can be found on Amazon. Until next week, watch, therefore, and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.